Good Friday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com podcast with Rob Lewis, Jesse Simonton, and Austin Price. I'm Brent Hubbs. Glad to have you along with us on this Friday. Plenty to get to in the podcast. Tennessee football coaches are uh, back out on the road today, and high schools can be in homes. Official visits this weekend, unofficial visits this weekend. We'll talk about that. Uh, the football team is back in the weight room and getting ready for their getting into their winter workout program before spring practice. We'll hit a little bit on the current team as well. Talk a little bit college bass or college football and some of the changing landscape. But let's first jump in and talk some uh, college basketball with Tennessee and and this basketball team and Rick Barnes and uh, Rob. You said on the Tuesday podcast that. Um, Tennessee, you thought Tennessee would have a hard time scoring with Georgia. They didn't come close to scoring with Georgia in, in Athens on Wednesday night. Well, a couple days removed from it, Rick Barnes saying, you know, they're not tough enough, this, that, the other. What I said they were soft. What's your takeaway from this? I thing? mean, I, just, I mean, I, I don't want to go so far as to say they were soft, but just, I mean, this, they just don't have the kind of, you know, mental toughness that, that you need to go in. I mean, not that Georgia's – that wasn't Rupp Arena or – I can't call it Rupp Arena anymore. They just got – they just sold the naming rights to it. it what, it's something you know, else it, now. It wasn't Rupp – whatever, Kentucky's <laughs> home court or, you know, <laughs> or Camp Cameron anymore. But, it, I mean, it was a it, it was a good crowd. And, I mean, and it was a really good crowd once Anthony Edwards got going. I mean, I mean, once he heated up, I mean, they were – those people were into it. And Tennessee just doesn't have the kind of dudes to – you know, can huddle up and get everybody together. Whereas, you know, last year's team, talent aside, I mean, they had, I mean, guys like Admiral, Grant, Lamonte, I mean, they could they could weather those kinds of, they could take it. You know, whereas last night, I mean, you could just look at their body language and they just fell apart. I mean, that game was over with probably eight minutes to go in the first half. I mean, you just knew Tennessee wasn't coming back. I mean, I, I, was, I, I was already writing, I, I was writing like my post-game story at halftime. I mean, you, there was no chance. You know, Rick tried to say they had chances to come back in the second half. They, they were never coming back. And that's more than the defense, more than the lack of scoring. I thought last night, and Coach Barnes said it, and they just didn't have any fighting spirit. And that's, you know, when this team, when things start going bad for them, they just can't, they, they just can't get through it. And Is that just a lack of leadership? Yeah. Is that just youth? I, mean, I think, I think it's so many freshmen. I think it's the fact that, you know, Jordan Bounder, only senior, and while he's a, you know, he's a do things the right way, you know, kind of guy that, we can lead by example. He's not, you know, a dirt dog like Lamonte or Admiral or somebody that's just, you know, going to stand there and, and be ready to take on, you know, not just the opposing team, but take, you know, everything the crowd's doing out of it. And these guys, I mean, they just fell apart last night. And Rick wasn't shy about, you know, throwing people under the bus <laughs> after the fact. And John Fulkerson got both barrels. He even went all in on, on his freshman guards. And to me, I mean, that. I mean, I mean, I think anybody listening to this knows I have a lot of respect for Coach Bars, but you know, he he came out last night in his post game comment, and I thought things really took me back. He's like, we have to get more leadership from our from our guards. But like, Coach, you got you know, he, he wasn't talking about Bowden. He was talking about Josiah and, and Viscovi. Like, I mean, Viscovi's not been here for three weeks. You're going to go there with him, and you know, Josiah James is a guy that's still learning on the job. I just, I mean, I, I, I take some issue with that. I mean, I, I don't know that that you could go there. I mean, I, I think that's a. I mean, not that he, I don't. I'm not saying he's going to lose these kids. Or, kids may not even know he made the comment, but I'm, I'm sure he told him the same thing and and much harsher in the locker room. But if, if you're dependent, if you're if you're sitting there saying I've got to get more leadership from my freshman guards, you're in trouble. And I, and I think this team. Well, trouble. last night was also just a lack of fundamentals. On, I mean, how many layups did they miss? How many loose balls did they have? No clue where they were. How many times? And Rick did call them out specifically. I, I mean, Rob's story, you know, Josiah got 
one of those barrels about just reaching in on defense, you know, basically playing Olay defense. I mean, that was – Tennessee's not a good enough team to just check off all three of those boxes and then somehow think that they could just shoot their way to a win, especially on the road against a, you know, average to a decent SEC team. Yeah, I think the other thing to me is, the, you know, the transition defense. You got a team last night in Georgia that pushed the tempo. Even when Tennessee made a basket, pushed tempo. Tennessee didn't get back. I guarantee you everybody that they play the rest of the way is seeing that on a scout and is going to say, hey, we're going to push the ball and see if Tennessee will get back on defense. Because that, there were numerous times, even after Tennessee made a bucket, Rob, Georgia got a layup on the other end because Tennessee was still running the floor to get back. Yeah, 12, 12 fast break points for Georgia, two for Tennessee. And that, that's another thing. I mean, like, fans are like, why don't, we run, why don't we run? Why don't we get out in transition? I mean, Rick, Rick wants to get out in transition. That's, that's another thing he took his freshman guards to task for him. He said point blank that um, Santiago and Josiah aren't playing as fast as, as they want them to play. And, again, that's not something but – no, But no offense, those guys aren't as fast as – what he's played with the last few no, years. Right. I, I mean, Jordan Bowman was one of the fastest guys in yeah, college basketball. I mean, I mean, Santiago in a foot race couldn't – I mean, he couldn't even – he would lose Jordan Bones' number on the back of his jersey at some point. I'm not trying to pick on him. He's just yeah, a different player. Different, different kind of player. You know? And so, I mean, they just have, they have a hard time getting easy points. I mean, I, 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 mean, I don't – Rick can yell at him as much as he wants. I mean, I just don't think they're going to be a big transition team. All right, so you got Euros last night. Kind of what's your thought? Yeah, I mean – I thought he I thought he would rebound a little bit better. I mean he didn't he didn't show much there, but you know, knocking the rust off. I mean it's not just the first game he's played this year, it's the first college basketball game he's ever played. I mean I think people need to simmer down a little bit. He's, he can help this team, but he wouldn't go out last night and start chalking up double doubles. Right. But you know, when you when you have I mean John Fulgerson just might as well he just may may as well not even have gotten on the bus and, and Rick that Rick certainly said as much, which so. is the maddening part because he's you yeah, know it's, it's the roller coaster. It's one you know fifteen and ten against South Carolina, and then no shows. The next and they, I mean, and it's not like Georgia is some defensive juggernaut. They're not, I mean they're the, they are the thirteenth best team in the league when it comes to opponent field goal percentage and, and scoring defense. I mean it's and it's not like they have these kind of brutes that are you know pushing pushing you off your spot and everything. And, I mean, I think that was a real disappointment. I, among the many things that Rick was disappointed in last night, I, I'd say, you know, defense was at the top of the list, and, and Fulkerson is not far behind. I mean, he, he, he made a layup with 15.56 last night, and then he didn't even take another shot until there was like eight minutes left to go in the game. That's just that's – not, that's not getting it done. No, you've got to be better than that. And, and the sure. one thing Euros did do that, that, that I liked, I mean, he, he carved out space. Right. I mean, he could – he Shows could he could establish that. position right. in the post. I mean, he didn't. He wasn't great once he got the ball. I mean, he made, he made two shots, but he could carve out. He could carve out a spot for himself and get get a get a quality touch. All right, Tennessee stays on the road, takes on Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's not real good, but it is Vanderbilt. Unusual setup. I know they've changed some of that stuff around a little bit where the coaches can go, and it is on the road. How does this team win road games? Uh, and, Vandy, I think Vandy's management, they're so bad. You know, they just lost Neesmith, their, their best player. I mean, he's, he's averaging 23 points a game, and they don't have anything close to, to where they can plug and play there. I, I'm, I'm skeptical about what kind of crowd that'll be. I mean, when, when Vandy's bad, as they have been, I mean, those, those people check out. I mean, there'll be a lot of orange in the building, so I, I, don't, I don't think this will be a tremendous road test. I, mean, I, think, right. I think Tennessee can win this one, and then I, I, think that, I think they will win it, and I think it'll be a little bit of, a little bit of fool's gold because it's not going to – it's not going to prove that they've answered anything. All right. All right. Last, um, last basketball question. How good is the Edwards kid? Oh, man. 
I'm trying to think when I've seen, when I've seen a better pro prospect in this league. Maybe. I mean, he's at the he's at the gate in a couple months, right? Oh, no question. I mean, he's in the conversation with James Wiseman for the top pick of the draft. I would say. I mean, kind of probably will depend what you need. You know, I mean, I, man, I mean, he's he's as polished of a two guard as I've seen in, in college basketball in a while. As far as SEC pro prospects, probably Ben Simmons, probably the last guy that that you just looked at and were like, he is one hundred percent got a chance to be an NBA All Star. It's funny because revisionist history now is going to say, and it it didn't really happen for him until the SEC tournament, and then the the March Madness. But it's Gildress Alexander. I mean, he has been he is phenomenal what he's done his first two years in the pros. But but he didn't look like that. No, he didn't look like that. Yeah, he didn't look like that. He didn't have the shoulders that you know almost has to turn sideways to get you know to get through a normal door. And I mean, he's such he's and he's so cagey. I mean, he plays like a you know thirty five year old NBA veteran. Yeah, with the way he changes speeds and everything. Mm. Um, and I and I've got news. For, I mean, I've, I've seen Jaden Springer go head to head with with Anthony Edwards in the summertime fall fans and hold, held his own more than held his own. Springer did. Yes, well, as a year younger. Yeah, well, that's again hopes on the way for Tennessee. It's just going to be um, it's just going to be a. a you know, call waiting. I don't, I'm not sure what that, that piece call waiting. I'm not sure what that that uh, alarm is. Hopefully, it'll quit here in just a minute. But um, maybe not. Sounds like school's out somewhere. Um, <laughs> Somebody's getting ready to get called to the office. <laughs> it, it, it is, but help is on the way. But it's going to be it's going to be some tough yeah, sledding. I mean, I, just, I mean, I just I'm, I'm not trying to like just totally dump on them. But I'm just I, they're just not a very good basketball team. I mean, just they're just not. I mean, not, I, don't, I don't think it's all Lamonte. I mean, I, I certainly overestimated. How, how, what Bowden's going to be able to do this year? I, I certainly overestimated, you know, how good Josiah James was going to be this year. I mean, so did Rick Barnes, so did Mike Shashevsky, so did Tom Izzo. I mean, when you go back and look, yeah. But just not—I mean, just not a, not a lot to get excited about right now. No, I'm so afraid. we'll see how this team continues to improve. But the schedule is obviously going to get harder. Up first, though, is a winnable game on the road against Vanderbilt. We'll have full coverage of that coming up on Saturday. All right, let's jump into the football recruiting world. Um, Coaches can be on the road today, in home, in homes today, and uh, uh, all of that. Uh, Austin, not in homes, not in home. Well, you well, can, you can be in home for a for a twenty, for a twenty, yeah, yeah. 20. But you can't be in, yeah. in home for a twenty-one. But you can for a twenty. You can be in the house now. Most those a lot of those twenties are on official visits, so I don't know that Tennessee's going to be in the house on a Friday night. But you're, it, it's opened up. You can go back out on the road. So where's Tennessee's focusing a lot of twenty-ones? Looks like North Carolina is much more important to Tennessee this year than it was a year ago. Uh, they're doing some work up the, the East Coast a little bit, a lot of Georgia, and I think this staff's always going to be in Alabama. Is that where you think they focus on the next couple of weeks? Yeah, I think they'll spend a lot of time in, in the Carolinas. I think they'll spend, you know, you've seen, you know, just this weekend, you've got, <clears throat> you know, several kids from South Carolina coming in. Rock Hill. You know, Rock Hill and Myrtle Beach, yeah. uh, you know, uh, you know, there's kids from all over North Carolina coming in. You've got kids coming in from the state of Georgia, uh, Alabama, Virginia. And so the Tennessee will use the next three weeks as a, you know, as a good audition for Junior Day. You know, because, I mean, as you, you, know, you had in the war room, Jesse, February's a dead month. So once, you know, it becomes dead on uh, Sunday night. Which yeah. is new. 
There'll and, be no and, junior days until March. Right. Dead in the sense that nobody can come to your campus. I mean, you've never been able to go on the road, but dead in the sense they can't come to your campus. And the, yeah. and the March junior days w will be different because what those are are typically just visits when you're coming to watch spring practice yeah. and stuff. It's 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 a it's a to totally different deal. The focus with Jeremy Pruitt and his staff isn't on recruiting quite as much. So these next three weeks are going to be vital for Tennessee, I think, to get as many you know key targets on campus as possible so does a guy like dylan brooks you know big time outside linebacker pass rusher does he make it in this weekend christian Ballou, the quarterback supposed to be in this weekend that they're clear they clearly think they need uh or wide receiver is going to be a key position in this 21 class when you see all the receivers that they hope to bring in both this weekend and next weekend yeah i mean it, it it's the same positions that they're trying to recruit right now. It's wide receiver, it's outside backer that can, you know, be an edge pass rusher. You know, obviously quarterback is, is very important in 21 in Tennessee. I think they got to have a back, running back, too. Go ahead. Yeah, they, and they need a big-time back. Right. You know, I mean, I mean they, that's yeah, – they, 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 they They've need, got running backs on the roster. Right, they, they don't need, have that they need dude, a, Yeah, you know? they, need, they need to have a guy. They, they need yeah. to have a, a you know – Game changer type guy. So I mean, yeah. I mean, think about it. you know we were around several running backs at camps and stuff last spring, last summer. Did anybody carry themselves like Tank Bigsby? I mean, he's just one of those dudes. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean I mean, when you he, saw him, you were just like, okay. I mean, it honestly brought me back to you know guys that you know were recruited around here to play running back 10, 12 years ago, fifteen years ago. Well, it's also I think it's also I mean Tennessee has gotten some of those kids on campus that, that we don't even know whether this guy's going to end up in the twenty twenty class because he's had one of the wildest. But Zach Evans a year ago at this time was on Tennessee's campus. Yeah, that's right. He came, he visited Georgia and then came up to Tennessee. And, a, and 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 you know I mean so it's it's how do you parlay whatever these early January or February visits into a real relationship with said blue chipper that I think Tennessee. Uh, needs to really figure out at that running back position because because the Georgias and the Alabamas and the, the Clemsons well, they keep landing these same studs well, and Tennessee's they, they've not. They've got to find a, land, a way to land. It don't have to be Trevion Henderson, but they've got to find a land, land, way to land somebody like him. Henderson makes the most sense. I mean, you've got a tie there with Daryl Taylor's high school. It's not too far. Now you're going to have to battle some Big Ten schools for him. Penn State's obviously a factor. Ohio State's a factor. Um, he but just I mean, released his top thirty. Yeah. <laughs> You know, hey, whatever works. Uh, but the flip side of that is that he's pretty open. So well, he is, he's you know, got, got some time. But it, but they need you know they need to get a running backs coach hired and let you know. And he told me down to Orlando, told all of us, you know, he likes Tennessee, but you know he, I don't think he likes that he talks to Brian Niedermeyer. Now I mean, he may be the one recruit in the earth that doesn't like. He likes Niedermeyer, but he wants to be recruited by his position coach. Yeah, he wants to know who his position coach is going to be. Yeah, you know. And, uh, but even then, when David Johnson, when we interviewed him, David Johnson was still the coach. I mean, you know, he just he wants a he wants a relationship with instead of having an area recruiter. Right. He wants a specific the, the coach that's going to be coaching him to have a, a really good relationship. All with right, him. we'll get we'll get to the running backs coach situation in just a second because I, I think that's there's a couple of di different dynamics with that. I want to go back to this that the NCAA shutting down February the way that they have um, how big of a detriment detriment is that to new coaching staff doesn't affect Tennessee but how, how far is that going to put some of these new staffs behind in the 21 class 22 class if you can't have them on your campus for a month I know you can in March but you know that's four weeks because right now a lot of the I mean look you look at my you look at Norvell <coughs> at Florida State they're trying to finish out 20 
they're going to focus on the 2020 class to, to, to finish out, right? Yes. Well, so how far behind is that? Or is that not a big deal? You think it's overblown? I, no, I think it is a big deal. I mean, when you when you look at it, when you change coaches, you're really punting on that class. Unless you've got, unless you can, the you know, the, the new staff can take some of the people they had committed to the previous school they were at and parlay them into their to that class. I mean, you go back and when the first signing period started, the first early signing period started, you go back to all those coaches, Chip Kelly, uh, you know, Chad Morris, Jeremy Pruitt. Um, who got fired at FSU? Uh, Taggart. Taggart. I mean, right down the line, all those people struggled with that class because it's just hard. And I think even since then, it's just hard to build a class in 10, 12 days. Right. Which, which and, I, and, and so then everybody, when everybody signs, sorry to interrupt you, when everybody signs early and you're left with, you know, you know, with either some academic casualty people that didn't sign early or, you know, maybe a couple of five stars that you're going to be hard to recruit because – you know, your new staff, and then just what's left over, you're, you're reaching in January. Then all of a sudden you go on a full dead blown month in February. It's like, whoa, because of what, what you're doing is you have to spend so much time. Like, look at Florida State. Right now, they're spending a bunch of time filling what spots they have left over in the month of January on 2020. So that they can't f- focus solely on 2021, much like t- Tennessee couldn't two years ago. Right. And now Tennessee all of a sudden is in a position where they're – a little more established in their recruiting environment. I'm getting ready for the afternoon announcements. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Nothing I can do about it. I know. So, um, yeah, it just it's it's a different change. I mean, Tennessee can say, okay, we're gonna go and we're gonna go see Beckwith and Caldwell, and we're gonna swing at Jay Hardy and you know Weidman. But then everybody else just goes and sees 21s and 22s. That's a big advantage. And then all of a sudden, February's gone. My, my only little comment was just or added comment was going to be I think that's why you're going to continue to see programs who feel like they have some sort of stability and footing if they have someone in house that's who's going to end up getting the job over someone promote within yeah Memphis is one of the best you know non power five jobs and they didn't even they just promoted from within yeah, they didn't even flirt with anybody no I mean they just they, they hired the guy that was already on their staff and so I you know how many all the coaches on the playoff Ryan Day you know they, they promote him you know obviously Dabo was way down the line but even Lincoln Riley so I, I just I think you're going to see more and more of that happen when teams lose coaches if they have someone that's in-house with the way the new recruiting calendar is it makes as much sense to just promote from within than it does to go on some big. Now, for a Florida State, you, you fired the guy because you didn't like him. But for these, for, for a lot of these programs that are going to lose coaches because they're looking for stepping stone jobs, I think the best thing so that they don't get laughed in recruiting is just if you have a candidate that's at least on a level with somebody else you're interviewing, might as well promote. Yeah, that's a, that's and, a good point. I hadn't thought about it but, that way, but that makes a lot of sense. And, and it does make a lot of sense unless you are Alabama or one right, of those type right. teams because their cachet as a name will carry them en- enough to, you know, kids are going to take pause and wait to see what who they hire. Whereas, like, if you're a middle-of-the-road team, like, like if you're South Carolina and you decide Will Muschamp's not the guy, is there somebody on staff that you would hire or that you would promote, you know? Yeah, or do you I mean, just... it could be Bobo. They could decide right. that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's a possibility. Yeah, I mean, I, mean so... I think two years ago, uh, this was USC's thinking. Let's – we want let's get we're gonna get rid of clay helton but we we just got cliff kingsbury now kingsbury was only there for five seconds because because right. they didn't expect him to get an nfl job but that's but he the, was gonna I, end up being yeah, the head he coach. was gonna end up being the head coach yeah. there and i just think that that you're gonna see that continue well you saw at it at washington lot of, you saw it at washington you know, yeah with the coach now 
you know, Peterson, he didn't get fired. I mean, he stepped away, but that was just a simple promote from within and move on. I do think with the Memphises, you know, the Houstons and those just below, you know, the, 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 the Power Five deal, I think it makes a ton of sense to promote within because those are the schools that are got to be careful about getting lapped in a hurry because one bad class that that at that, that you level, back for years oh they fall but they could fall back big time there because they're de they're, they're recruiting development classes they're right. not recruiting impact five-star guys who are going to come in and can fix you the next year their guys a lot of those guys are development players that you sign cycle up every two or three years to and get and Diaz, Manny Diaz is a bad example of this because they laid an egg but I mean that they did the same thing yeah, too they I mean did. they promote they promoted him too yeah all right let's let's go back to the recruiting board for, for a second uh you, you mentioned Caldwell Beckwith um Jay Hardy Jay Hardy says he's done but we think Tennessee's just going to keep swinging there yeah, until, keep swinging. until the paper inks dry you the knock thing, on the door the one thing I know about Jay Hardy is no matter what he says, until the ink's dry, I'm not going to lean one way or the other. Because, I mean, that's why I've, I've been really hesitant. That's why I've said, you know, for weeks now, and, and, you know, you'll know by January 25th. If he doesn't make it back up here, and I mean that. I mean, like, think about it. I mean, today we're sitting here, and it's the 17th of January, eight days from now. So, basically, by next weekend, if he doesn't make it up here to a basketball game, Tennessee has no shot. And they probably don't. I mean, they're going to keep swinging. He's likely going to end up at Auburn. But, like, you just never know. You never know who, what phone call may shift things. You know, what, you know, I mean, there still could be staff movement everywhere that could, sh that could change things. You just never say never in recruiting. So it's easy to say, oh, yeah, I'm shutting it down. But, again, you didn't sign early. You invited this, this notion that Tennessee was going to have a shot. You and know. said as much just a week ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I, but uh, on the same time, and we we see how these things work. I mean, he legitimately could say, "I am done," and not let Tennessee in the house. Absolutely, and he so could. And, and and honestly, if, if he didn't do that in December, he right. could have then and right. didn't. Well, but, he, but he might come around. But whatever now and do had that. you know, whatever decision and conversations he's had with Rodney in the last week could have said, "All right, I am done. Yeah. This is where I well, want to well, get." Well, I look at it. If you know, no matter your feelings on the kid, the smart decision if you're him. Is either is, is if if you don't think you're going to end up at Tennessee, don't drag them down that path and lead them on, and then spurn the home folk again. I mean, you've already spurned them once. You know, just go ahead and make your intentions known, which is what he's done, right? And be done because well, what you know, some Tennessee fans are going to be like, ah, you know, we've seen the post on our board, you know, and I get that thought process, but like it to me, it makes it worse. If you keep letting them in the house. If you keep dragging them along. All right, keep letting them in. We'll see if he lets them in. I mean, that's going to be the big thing. Is that Does he let them in the house, and then does he come back up? Well, he has if a basketball game tonight. Tennessee's going to try to go down there and watch him play. I mean, they're going to keep, again, they're going to keep swinging. Right, but that's different than putting four or five coaches in your living room, fixing them dinner, oh, yeah. and sitting there and talk. I mean, well, and, 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 you know, anybody can go sit and watch the basketball game. Much like the Cade Mays thing from a few years ago, you know, Cade and them at least listened to Jeremy and, 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 and listened to Tyson Helton tell him he was going to look into his soul and all that stuff. But they never, you know, they didn't let him in the house. They, they met him at Catholic. You can argue whether that was the right move or whatever. It doesn't really matter. But I think the family wanted to at least let them speak their mind, but did not want to lead them on to make them think, you know, they, you know, they probably had a 5% shot even change anybody's mind at that point but they at least wanted to give them a chance to talk and explain their thought process explain their vision yada 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 
And it just wasn't the right fit at the time. Well, we'll and we'll, so we'll see if, if Jeremy Pruitt gets in the house. He's still got an in-home. He hasn't been there. Do they let him in? That'll be a big question mark moving forward. All right. D. Beckwith's going to visit this weekend to Tennessee officially. Sunday, yeah. Monday. He's going to visit Sunday, Monday. He, he was going to visit Kentucky this weekend, Sunday, Monday. The following week, Florida, Sunday, Monday. See, everybody thinks that, like, you know, I saw a post yesterday on the board when I put out the news that he's going to be there for that matchup with, with you know, number two Baylor next week. But I mean, unless I've looked at the, the calendar wrong, that's a Saturday game. He won't be there. He has a basketball game every Friday and Saturday between now and when the second signing period is. So he, his senior night got bumped up to that Saturday night that, you know, um, of, of the last, of the weekend, last weekend. When he was supposed to be at Tennessee. So because of the fact that the dead period starts that Sunday night at midnight, he couldn't do a Sunday-Monday there. Right. So, you know, he, you know, he's most comfortable with Tennessee. He likes how Florida's recruiting him. You know, it's not like Tennessee. It's not a slam dunk to the balls. Right. You know, but I think that his half brothers committed here as a preferred walk on, distance from family. It it makes sense in a lot of ways. You know, again, though, they're going to have to fend off that Florida visit next weekend. But I think that this weekend, getting him here Sunday, all day Monday, as a on, on Martin Luther King Day, um, you know, with no school down there, was the right move by Tennessee to give them max time, and and, and D wanted max time with Tennessee. That's why he canceled the Kentucky visit. All right, Jesse, if D Beckwith we know is there. We know they're going to swing at Jay Hardy. Who who else is on who else is on the board here? What it's do they go after that outside linebacker from Florida? Um, I mean, he could visit in two weeks. But he hasn't. They haven't offered him yet. So he he's going to be a guy. I think we kind of keep an eye on. You know, does he, does he pop off with some news coming out saying, hey, you know, I got a Tennessee offer and I'm gonna, I'm going to come take a visit. I, I I don't really see Tennessee pursuing very hard there right now because I do think they, you know, if push comes to shove, they'd like Beckwith, Caldwell, uh, and then that may be it. Now this weekend, you know, they're also hosting the Florida State kid, Weidman. Weidman. Yeah. And Spencer, yeah, Dylan Spencer, the the offensive lineman from Madison Central. So they're still they're still at least you know keeping the hot plate on some. When you have to, I mean, obviously you know doesn't look like things are gonna go you know the way they hoped with Jay Hardy, you know. So but I mean, but Beckwith's not a slam dunk either. And, so you and, got two spots. So you 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 don't just recruit two people for two spots. You better right. be recruiting exactly. five or six people. And, and Spencer does not have an offer yet. Right. So does he walk away with an offer this weekend? That's something we'll keep an eye on. He does. He did recently pick up a Mississippi State offer uh, from Leach's staff. And um, that's a smart offer Miss, by them. Missouri, Missouri uh, Drinkowitz, you know, extended an offer as well. And that he's a case, classic case with the new signing things. There's just only so many six four, three hundred five pound, you know, tackles out smart, there. Smart decision by him not to sign. Yeah, in, in uh, December. Yeah. Now is he good? No, we don't know. You know. But is he a Southern Miss quality player or is he a Mississippi State? You know, we, that, that is to be determined, but it, it certainly is going to boost his stock in terms of where he's going to ultimately land. Much like it was smart for Holden Willis not to sign early. The kid from Greenback. South Florida's coming and offered. Jeff Scott, Mississippi State has expressed quite a bit of interest, in that, and, and they may offer, you know. Because all these guys are looking for players. I mean, they, they, don't, have enough, they don't have enough players to fill spots. I mean, if you're a fringe guy, Okay, and when I say fringe, if you have an offer from, you know, the, the Southern Misses or smaller, smaller level schools, but a couple of SEC schools have called 
You know, when you think you're right on the cusp of that deal, history says with the new signing period, wait. Yeah. Because because think because now you may get over recruited. You may go to a place that in two years you get over recruited by for somebody else. You may never get to play there. But if that's your dream, you may you're going to have a better shot to get there by not signing in December. I yeah. think Holden Willis is a case of that. Going from a preferred walk-on status or Austin P to potentially Mississippi State, potentially South Florida here. Well, look you at Adonis Ote. Okay, we He was going to him. Arkansas. Doesn't sign. Smart move by him. Ends up going to USC. Right now. When you go to USC, there's a lot of good players out in California. You may get recruited over, but there's no doubt that that's a much sexier program than Arkansas. Right. So that's one of the advantages to those guys to not signing early because so many programs are filling are trying to fill spots. All right. So that's what's kind of going on this weekend. You got a junior day um, on Saturday. You got uh, you know I guess three official visitors now over the course of the weekend yeah. uh, that Tennessee will have in. Um, let's go to the coaching staff a little bit. What's Tennessee going to do in Memphis? Who are they going to send to Memphis to look at 21s? That's a great question. Is this Derek Ansley? Does, does you put DA in? makes the most sense to me. Just to go by the schools to see guys. Yes. For the 21. Because you can't ignore Memphis for two weeks while you don't have anybody in that in that territory. you got to get out there. That's right. Um, you know, and, and, you know, obviously Dallin Hayden's out there, and they're recruiting Dallin as a DB. You know, there's other guys out there that are in that same kind of – well, besides him, though, there are other guys out there that are in the athlete-type range that could be the DBs that, you know, it would be smart to go by and see. But, yeah, Dedrick Pennington's right at the top of the list for 2021 out of, that, out of the city of Memphis. So, And, 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 and Derek's been – DA's been in Memphis. He's, he's recruited he's been, Memphis yeah, he's before. he's recruited Memphis before. It just makes sense. Now, normally your coordinator – Doesn't have a territory. Doesn't – or it has a very convenient territory. Right. Memphis is one you're going to have to work really hard. So, I mean, like, you know, maybe he's there right now – during this little run, and then it shifts out. Maybe that because Memphis doesn't have as many guys in 2021 as they did in 2020, maybe you give T a little bit of help in Nashville and you shift T over there a little bit. I don't know. I just know that, you know, it makes sense in a lot of ways to, you know, have one of your better recruiters go into that area. And right now, T, DA, I don't think Niedermeyer will go into Memphis. I think, you know, he's got his areas are, you know, kind of everywhere. All right. So, you know, you, you, you cover Memphis essentially for the next couple of weeks. You know, while you get somebody hired. While you're, while you're hired. So where are, where are things with this staff? I mean, Jesse, I think you've said over and under at three um, for six months now, I think, five months, something like that. You still, you still at over under three? Yes. Okay. Austin, are you at over under three? Well, I think it's better to be over under two and a half, right? So okay, you're saying well, it's going to be three or two. Yes. Okay, so you're I saying it's going to be three. You think it's going to be three? Two and a half, excuse me. Sorry, my biggest betting lines are I'm not going to place money. I, I think there's at least one more move, potentially two. So that would be two or slash three. Uh, but you think more is coming? Yeah, I do. I mean, I just would think, I, you know, I think that that would be. You think that ultimately Winky stays? I think Winky stays. And there's going to be. At least one defensive staff change. If Winky, if Winky wants to stay, he'll be back. You know, he, he may you know go out and get another job. But in my opinion, Winky, you know, he's got eight days. So, well, in my opinion, well, I, I believe Winky'd already have a contract offer. That's what I'm saying. So it's just a matter of you know, whether or not he wants to walk in yes, and sign okay. it. Or yeah. maybe he's already signed. I guess my question. Let me ask the question this way then. Look, there's always guys who could potentially take a job somewhere else, and I think that's what you're saying. 
Is, is Jeremy, you think Jeremy Pruitt's done making a change? Not that he's made any change. I mean, David Johnson left it. I still watch Tracy Rocker. I mean, like, you know, I think that decision's went back and forth and back and forth. I think it's been like a seven, or 540 or 720 on the number of times that one. Is that an X game reference? Switched around. No, I was just using my math skills. Oh, um, wow. Pretty know, impressive. That's easy. It's golf. 180 <laughs> is like 18 holes, 36, 360. So, so, so um, I, I mean, you know, it's obviously you – know, Fluid. I mean, you know, potential. I mean, you got some NFL staffs that aren't put together. I mean, yeah, the, I guy, mean the guy with the Giants has got more Alabama ties. He's got Patriot ties and Alabama ties. That's kind of who he is, you know, because uh, he spent a few years at Alabama. And, you and, never and know. he was at Mississippi State. So that's why, you know, he hired Perry Kitchens. That's where he knows Kitchens from. They were at Mississippi State together. But you're right. When you talk about Alabama ties, you talk about def- defense. That leans itself to you know, and his staff's not together. And look, Chris Rump. But if you're but if you're an NFL coach, how many college guys are you going to hire versus getting some cagey NFL veterans to help you in your first go around as a head coach? I think that's always the thing. And you know, I don't know that he's got full control up there. I'm sure his GM and everybody else. Yeah. Has got well, he definitely opinion. doesn't. I mean, Gettleman carries wields a big stick up in New York. So we'll we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I don't think that thing's done. I don't know that there's definite change coming. Um, for anybody, but uh, potentially that could be the case. As for the running backs job, Montero Hardesty, Jay Graham, Joe Osavat. I don't think it falls past any of those three, okay. unless just some huge name comes out of the woodwork. Somebody calls and says, you know, hey, I'm interested. But, I mean, as we've seen, you know, Frank Wilson's taking the job, head job at McNeese State. You know, that was yesterday. Right. So, I mean, like all the – Oh, gotta go get Frank Wilson. I mean, Frank Wilson was never coming back. No, here. He was going back to Louisiana. Yeah, whether well, I mean, it was at LSU, we're gonna be a head coach somewhere. He was yeah, gonna be one of those yeah, two yeah. places. So you know, to me, it it a lot depends on how much Jeremy wants to spend. If he wants to spend, then he hires Jay. If he wants to go cheaper, I think Montario carries more weight than Joe Osavet at this point in time. Montero Hardesty was seventy thousand dollars a year at Charlotte. Yeah. Not what Joe Osavet makes here, I guess. Yeah, you could you maybe could, a little less than what Joe Osavet yeah, makes Joe here makes as, a more quali- than he does. as a quality control guy. You, I think you know you could get Montero. You hired Brian Niedermeyer as a zero year um, at two hundred five. Yeah. You hired Terry Fair, who was four or five years at Colorado State, as two fifty. I oh, think sure. you probably hire Montero somewhere around two twenty five. Yeah, if that's the know, direction, which you I mean. Yeah. You know, he's got ties in North Carolina. He's got ties in Virginia. He's had a year experience out on the road. I think he's young. He's hungry. There's something to be said for that. Um, that's not to say that Jay's not, because I think Jay's still very much a hungry recruiter. But I just think that, you know, a lot of it depends on what Jeremy wants to do financially. Because, I mean, when With, you look, when if you, there's when you, potential other moves out there. When you look at the rest of the staff, a lot of these guys have got big salaries. Right. And they don't always equate to the production. I mean, you got seven hundred thousand, eight hundred thousand, eight fifty. But you got some of those guys who got those salaries in part just because they had titles that they don't have. You know, I mean, Kevin Sher got a big sal- big deal, not because he's the inside linebackers coach. He was the defensive coordinator. Got demoted, didn't didn't take a loss in salary in that in that regard. Um, you know, and I'm surprised Jeremy's not given the recruiting coordinator title to anybody. Which that's something that technically he could. Yeah, he'd probably hold that one in your hip pocket in case you got somebody who's threatening to leave you. That's the easy way to give somebody money because is to keep that title kind of in your hip pocket. Unless I mean, I'm the recruiting coordinator. I'm the one that makes all the decisions, right? Hello, boom! Mike dropped from over. H- H- Hubs is Hubs has gotten so cavalier with his Jeremy Pruitt impersonation. It's not now. very good though. Um, lastly, uh, you know, Monday night everybody's talking. Tuesday morning everybody's talking about the LSU dynasty. 
Okay, they're, they're, they've overthrown. They're, they've overthrown Saban in the West. They're here to stay. Four days later, three and a half days later, Joe Brady's in the NFL. Dave Aranda looks like he's gone to Baylor. You've had about four guys go to the NFL on you. Where, where is where is LSU as they bask in the glow of the national title? They just finished, you know, a remarkable season, and now they're gonna have to giddy up, you know, and, and let's see if they really are the next Clemson or the next Alabama. I think uh, they're gonna be a heck of a good team next year, but the fact they're not gonna have the same trigger man. You know, is, is it going to be Brennan? Is it going to be Max Johnson? Sounds like all the rumors that King was a done deal there may not happen, that he's going to end up, I guess, leaning towards Arkansas, uh, going to go play for Sam Pittman. So we'll, we'll he see. Did, he didn't have to compete. I mean, he walks into Arkansas and he's the guy right out of the gate. There's not even a competition there. Which is the point of being a grad transfer. So. Right. So, but you also, the guy who created this offense is gone, and your defensive guy. Oh, it's a key. I mean, it's, it's, you got you got two major parts going out of your coaching room too. For sure, for sure. I mean, this this is this is going to be you know everything coalesced to the perfect season this year, and and now Coach O is going to have to rebound a little bit. And I'm sure. I mean, again, no one's going to turn down going out. They're going to recruit a top five class, but that dynasty and they're going to hire good coaches. Little, yeah, yeah. But I think the dynasty talk might be slightly premature. But what do I know? All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the VolQuest.com podcast. For Rob Lewis, Austin Price, and Jesse Simpson, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend, everybody. Woo!